1: folks. How did that happen? How did that happen? We're near the end of the year, and um, we're also near the end of the book of Psalms. And uh, if you, I hope you're still keeping up in the Psalms. Can I have an amen? amen. Try that again. <laughs> um, and th- so this week we were in uh, Psalms 120 all the way through to 1 seven. And um, next week we've got God gave here. Um, the week after that is is Easter. Uh, Easter Day? No, it's not. <laughs> I told you I was confused about the year. Christmas Day. Uh, the week after that is New Year's Day. And just to say, we will there will be a gathering here on New Year's Day at eleven o'clock. And I'll lead that, and it will be fellowship and breaking bread. It will be a short time together. So, um, just so there's some clarity on that for New Year's Day. So this is really our last Sunday of um, other stuff, and um, I really strong sense of, of of what the Lord wants to say and do amongst us this morning, and um, uh, I have a sense of God's a sort of closing word to us as we finish the year. So, Psalms 120 to 137. Uh, I think a few weeks ago I, I tried to show how many of the psalms ended, but I'd just like to turn the pages for this selection of whatever that is, 18 or so psalms, and just have a look at the first lines of each. So if you could literally open your Bibles... And uh, go to Psalm 120, and we'll just read the opening one verse of all of them, which gives us a great sense of the heart of the psalmist, and the, um, do you remember that little phrase we had at the, at the, right at the start of this time, the, the, the words of men who could not live without God, yes. or words to that effect? You get some of that here. Psalm 120, in my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. 121, I raise my eyes toward the mountains, where will my help come come from? You have to actually read the second one here as well, don't you? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I lift my eyes to you, the one enthroned in heaven. If the Lord had not been on our side, but of course he was. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. It cannot be shaken, it remains forever. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. How happy is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in his ways. Since my youth, they've often attacked me, let Israel say. Out of the depths, I call to you, Lord. Lord, my heart is not proud, my eyes are not haughty. I do not get involved with things too great or too difficult for me. That's quite a good lesson, isn't it? Verse two is great as well. Instead, I have calmed and Quieted myself. Lord, remember David and all the hardships he endured, how he swore an oath to the Lord. It goes on to describe the, the, the oath that the Lord swore to David. 133 How good and pleasant it is when brothers can live together. 134 Now praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand in the Lord's house at night. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, you servants of the Lord. 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love, his hesed is eternal. Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. So you get a flavor of those psalms um, just in those opening verses. Most of the psalms in this section, from 120 all the way through to 134, you'll see that um, in the heading of the psalm it says, A Song of Ascents. And you may be familiar with this, but those 15 psalms were um, uh, regarded, uh, are regarded as being psalms that we use to Help the Israelites make their way up to Jerusalem, which they did um, three times a year for the three annual festivals, where all the men were required to meet together: the festival of Passover, and of Pentecost, and of Tabernacles. You can read about that in the in the Old Testament. Um, and, and as they made their way up to the city, they saw themselves as ascending the hill of the Lord. That was the picture they had. That was the The image in their minds. They were ascending the hill of the Lord. And as you read through these psalms, you find certain words recur. One of them is house. Frequently, there's a reference to the house of the Lord. We read a couple of those in those first verses. Another one is the city. Or or more frequently, it talks about Jerusalem. And frequently it talks about Zion. And um, just to say what, those, what those, some of those words mean, Zion was literally a hill in Jerusalem. It was, it, was the, it was a mountain, the Mount of Zion. It was the site of a stronghold, of a fortress. But, but that phrase, Mount Zion, became synonymous with Jerusalem itself. So when it talks about Mount Zion, it's talking about going up to the city, going up to Jerusalem where this mountain was. Jerusalem's also called the City of David. And and all those images of Jerusalem, the City of David, um, are are images of strength, of security. One of those psalms said, didn't it, um, something about Zion that, that, that can never be shaken. When it talks about the house of the Lord... It's a reference to the temple that was in Jerusalem, which was constructed by King Solomon, but was always in the heart of King David, his predecessor. We'll come to that in a moment. Uh, and so David's, King David, who, who wrote many of these, um, wrote of something that was burning in his heart. Uh, and in fact, the psalm that we're going to look at in a minute, Psalm 122, Begins, uh, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Well, this is a song that David wrote yeah. before that house was actually constructed. Yeah. But in his heart, it's real. Yeah. Let's go to the house of the Lord. And he describes... Well, we'll come on to that. I'll get ahead of myself. <laughs> so the house... The, the Zion is, is synonymous with, with the city, yeah. with um, the place of strength, the fortress, the stronghold... And the house is synonymous with the temple or particularly with the dwelling or the presence of God. And I'd like us to just turn to Psalm 122. And we'll read this properly. I just want to say quite a lot about this. But my prayer for this morning is that as we'll say more about the city and more about the house that the Lord will really, really wants to grip your heart with what his house is all about. Yeah. Okay, Psalm 122. I've put the words up. These are from the Holman. Um, so did you manage to do that, Neil? Could you put the... It's coming. Okay. You'll just have to trust me that I'm reading properly. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city should be, solidly joined together. Where the tribes, the tribes of the Lord go up to give thanks to the name of the Lord, This is an ordinance for Israel. It was one of the commands they had. There, thrones for judgment are placed, thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you prosper. May there be peace within your walls, prosperity within your fortress, as it fortress says. Because of my brothers and friends... I will say, peace be with you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. It's quite a well-known psalm, isn't it? And um, I trust as we come to the end of this year, it's been an incredible year, hasn't it? Of um, William read earlier from Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 is the chapter where um, and Andrew brought the word from there as well, where it speaks of all things being shaken that can be shaken so that what cannot be shaken will remain yes. yeah. i don't't ima- i can't think of a year in i can't think of a year where there's been more shaking than this year where what seemed to be established and fixed and firm and secure is clearly isn't and where there's a real um, there's a real, I think we were a little bit ahead of ourselves when we talked about an uprising a few years ago. There's been one this year, hasn't there? Yeah. Out, in, out in the world, there's been a, an uprising of, of men and women who are saying, um, I don't want to be told what to think anymore. I don't want to be told who to vote for anymore. I'm, I'm really longing for something um, that's authentic. And, and I'm unsure what my identity is. Hebrews 12 talks about God shaking everything that can be shaken so that what, what cannot be shaken may remain. There's a great cry in our world for identity, for authenticity, and for um, stability. And, you know, folks, these, these are days of immense opportunity for us because we're part of something that can't be shaken. And I think this psalm, Psalm 122, it was prophetic when David wrote it. He's talking about a house that that his son was to build, but it is prophetic for us as we end this year. In verse 1, if you could go back to the behind me, David's writing from the perspective of a pilgrim um, who's going up to Jerusalem for one of these festivals, one of these feasts, and he says, I rejoiced. I rejoiced with those who said, let's go to the house of the Lord of our God. the Lord our God." Um, other versions say, I was glad, or I think the message says, my heart leapt for joy. There's, he's describing the thrill of the pilgrimage, of going up to the capital, of going to the house of the Lord, of heading to a place that the, all, all the Israelites would have heard of Jerusalem, even if they'd never yet been there themselves. He's heard of this place, and, and he's thrilled with the, with the opportunity, the invitation to go there. I don't know about you, but um, when, when this happened for you, but when I was a, as, as a teenager, I really wanted to find God. I really wanted to know God. I knew a bit of him. I really wanted to know him more. I, I longed to go somewhere, to go up somewhere, to find something I'd heard about, and, and very quickly in the psalm, in the second verse, he says, he says our feet are standing within your gates. He's, he's arrived there. When you read back, Psalm 120 is, is, um, says something about what it's like to live feeling that you're a foreigner, feeling that you don't quite fit in where you are. And then the next one, Psalm 121, they're the first two of these Songs of Ascent. The second one describes the protection God gave them on the journey. And you get the sense this, this, this pilgrim, uh, I know the other two aren't by David, but in the goodness of God, the way they're ordered here, is um, sort of almost forgetting what it was like to feel a stranger And he's looking back and seeing how God protected him on his journey. And he's saying, and here I am. And I'm standing within your gates, Jerusalem. Here I am, this place I've heard all about. Here I am standing here. So for me, when I was longing to find the Lord, find Christ and and know God, when I found him, what a relief. And to look back and, and, and think, you know, I, I, there was ways in which I didn't feel I fitted before because of something inside me. And, and then I could make sense of the journey I'd been on. I don't know whether Kath, Kat, Catherine's here this morning. Not here. But uh, one of the ladies that got saved in the last couple of weeks, she, she, she's written her testimony. She gave it when she was baptized. And the journey she's been on, which now when she looks back, it doesn't, it, she's not saying, well, that explains that, that explains that, that explains that, but she's saying, I can make sense of some of where I've been because of where I am now. And I think that's true of us, isn't it? We, yeah. you know, we, we know where we are now, and it makes sense of where we've been, even, even sometimes our journey as a Christian. Yeah. Okay, now I know how God's been leading me, how God's been guiding me. They've arrived. And there's that great sense of being welcomed home. And the joy of arriving eclipses all the hazards of getting there. That you, You've heard this before, but I think it's really, it's a great, it's a great statement, great thought, that the most, two most important days of our life are, are the day we're born and the day we realize why. I've arrived home. I've found what I was looking for. I know for Deborah and I, when we found the Lord... Uh, we were thrilled, but then when we found the Lord's people, it was another thrill. And then in verse 3, he he's in Jerusalem, he starts to look around. He arrives in the city, starts to look around, and, and he sees, first of all, what a, what a great phrase here, Jerusalem is built as a city should be, solidly joined together. The the word that's used there is... Um, is a word that means to unite or to join or to ally or to tie a knot. And when you, um, when you go back into Exodus and you read of the, all those uh, lengthy descriptions of how the tabernacle was to be built, that word recurs over and over again. Because do you remember in the tabernacle, for example, they had great big um, sheets of drape or curtaining, but they were to join them together, it's that word, so that the whole thing looked to be seamless This is the meaning of this word, chabar, to be so united, so joined, so allied that things are seamless. And he says, Jerusalem is built as a city should be, solidly joined together. Other versions say, uh, the ESV says, bound firmly together. The Good News translation says, a city restored in beautiful order and harmony, if you've got the NIV, it will say, compacted together. The new living, seamless walls. The voice says, what a magnificent city. Building so close together, so compact. One of our versions says, a city knitted together. Do you remember those opening verses in Psalm 133? How good and pleasant it is when brothers can live together. It is like fine oil on the head, running down on the beard and running down Aaron's beard onto his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has appointed the blessing, life forevermore. This pilgrim is is almost overwhelmed by all that he sees. He's never seen a city so well-built. Everything so close together, so seamless, so compacted, so knitted. And I think, friends, that's what our world really wants to see: authenticity. Men and women joined. Um, if, if God described the tabernacle that way, which preceded this temple, which precedes what we'll come on to. This is the blueprint, folks. This is how God sees it. There's a lot of spaces between us at the moment because some seats are not filled yet. But God wants us to be so close together. We'll come back to that. Verse 4. He he keeps looking around and he sees that this is where the tribes have converged in Jerusalem. This is a lovely thought. And... um, Chris prayed this before the meeting when we were upstairs. He talked about the fact that we've all made our way here this morning. It's a lovely thought, isn't it? I Hearing Phil Chapman describe this in Market Harbour um, some time ago, he said, I love, he said, I love being here on a Sunday uh, afternoon because I, it's, it's wonderful to think that everybody's come here from a different place, but here we all are together. Yes. Just, I mean, just look around the room right now. From north and south and east, you're not looking... Just here. Yeah. You're looking at me from. Every, we've all come from different directions. All, the, um, all these people have gathered together. And what this pilgrim sees, he says, "All these tribes, all the tribes, the tribes of the Lord, they go up to this place to give thanks to the name of the Lord." And he looks around, and all these different tribes have reached the same def- destination. They've all come from different parts of the nation, but all the people of God have come together. And, and each of the tribes was very different. It's not that in this compacted city, everybody's the same, not at all. But they are compacted. There is unity, even though there's there's not uniformity, the opposite of that, disuniformity. And, and these tribes have gathered. Why have they gathered? Not to, um, not to be one. They've gathered to give thanks to the Lord who's made them one. The tribes have gathered together to give thanks to the Lord. And then he keeps on looking. And he sees that there are thrones for judgment there. Thrones of the house of David. And these thrones represent um, justice and righteousness. The thrones were the the seats of judgment, the seats of justice, the seats of righteousness. And isn't that the hallmark of the city of God? Justice and righteousness... The foundations of his throne and the pilgrim looks around, he sees that Jerusalem is well built, compacted together, closely knit, and the tribes have all come together, all found themselves in the same place at the same time, and thrones are there, and and, and justice and righteousness are the hallmarks of this city, and then he goes on to pray for the city, and he put the next one up. Thank you. There we go. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And then, then this is his prayer with quote marks around it. May, the, may those who love you prosper. May there be peace within your walls, prosperity within your fortresses. Those two words are really interesting words. Let me just briefly say, the word peace there is shalom. Shalom. And it means completeness, soundness, welfare, peace. Prosperity is a similar sounding word, shala. It means to be quiet or at ease. They are the fruits of justice and righteousness. That's what the city feels like. That's what it's like to be in this city. Where everybody's united, where everybody's together, where all the tribes have come, where, where everybody's closely knitted, and things are done right. There's justice and righteousness, and as a result, there is peace, and there is prosperity. In fact, the very um, the name Jerusalem, uh, it comes from Jeru The end of that is Shalem, to be complete, to be safe, to be peaceful. What he's really praying is, Lord. May this city live up to its name. Yeah, very good. It's meant to be a place of peace. May it live up to its name. And then he goes on, verse 7. May there be peace within your walls, prosperity within your fortresses. It's interesting, isn't it? He prays for peace within the city. Because if we have peace, if we have prosperity in the city then we have something to give away. Then we have something to minister to others. It's a terrible um, dishonor, terrible offense to God, terrible disgrace to our name when there is no more peace and no more prosperity, no more ease, no more being at ease, no more comfort within, our, within the city than there is without the city. I find um, over and over and again, there's a grieving of of some of what's out there in the so-called church. That's his prayer, Lord, may there be peace within this place, within these walls, within this fortress. I thank God we do have peace. We do have prosperity. And we do have something to say. And then he says, uh, because of my brothers and friends. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? He's come to this place, and he's, he's not a foreigner anymore. He doesn't feel a stranger anymore. He's been protected on his journey. And, and what he's seen there is brothers and friends, yeah. kindred spirits. These are more than just fellow travelers. He doesn't refer to them as fellow pilgrims or wanderers along the way, but brothers and friends. Yeah. Paul writes in Philippians, he says, so then, my brothers... You are dearly long, loved and longed for. You're my joy and my crown. In this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. And then verse 9, he says, because, because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. This is important. He says, Jerusalem, Zion, city of God, I will seek your good because of For the sake of the house of the Lord. Jerusalem really mattered because of the house of the Lord. Jerusalem was celebrated because it was the earthly dwelling place of God. Jerusalem was the place the tribes converged. God's people came together in that city because the house of the Lord was there. Um, If the temple had been built in Capernaum, that's the place they'd have gone to. If the temple, if God had said construct the temple in Bethany, Bethany's the place they'd have prayed for the peace of. Because of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your good. The focus was Jerusalem because the house of the Lord was there, because God made that his dwelling place. Earthly Jerusalem, earthly Zion mattered because that's where the earthly temple was built, because that's where the dwelling place of God was. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. You see, this pilgrim is is thrilled. He's he's longed to go there. He experiences great joy at arriving there, of finding this place that's solidly built of seeing all the tribes that have gathered, of of seeing justice and righteousness and peace and prosperity, of meeting brothers and friends there. And it's all because this is the city where the house of God is found. This is where God dwells. This is the place of his presence. Is this just historic? Of course not. Because all of these things, as true as they were, were also shadows of what was to come. The temple that David is dreaming of, that his son Solomon built, was destroyed in AD 70 or 90. The temple was destroyed. Jesus predicted that when Jesus is there in Matthew 25, and he's looking at the temple, and he says, "Every every stone will be destroyed." That temple was destroyed. But in a sense, it mattered not because it was a shadow of what was to come. When Jesus came, his name was Emmanuel. God dwelling with his people. God had chosen to dwell in that place, but now Emmanuel had come. And Jesus eclipses everything, doesn't he? It was a shadow. In fact, if you turn to um, Acts chapter 7... Which is a there's a quote here from Isaiah, Isaiah um, sixty six I think, verse forty four, Acts seven forty four. Our forefathers had the tabernacle of the testimony in the desert just as he who spoke to Moses commanded him to make it according to the pattern he'd seen with seamless curtains. Our forefathers in turn received it and with Joshua brought it in when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers until the days of David. He found favor in God's sight and he asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built him a house. However, the Most High does not dwell in sanctuaries made with hands, as the prophet said. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What sort of house will you build for me, says the Lord? What is my resting place? Did not my hands make all these things? So these, as wonderful as they are, are shadows, and and it's left for the apostles in the New Testament to bring us revelation concerning the fulfillment of these things. And in Galatians... Chapter 4, Paul contrasts earthly Jerusalem with what he calls the Jerusalem that is above. In Hebrews 12, sorry, I'm going to go a bit fast there, I realize that, Galatians 4, 26. But just turn with me to Hebrews, because that's some key verses that have already been referred to. Hebrews 12, Verse 22 contrasts the, um, the mountain that they weren't to touch. He says, instead, Hebrews twelve twenty-two. Russell, Russell, flick, flick, turn, turn. You have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels in festive gathering, To the assembly of the firstborn, whose names have been written in heaven. To God, who is the judge of all. To the spirits of righteous men made perfect. To Jesus, mediator of a new covenant. And to the sprinkled blood, which says better things than the blood of Abel. Everything in Hebrews contrasts the old with the new. The partial with the fulfillment. The literal, the physical, with the spiritual fulfillments of these things. And this is no different. In Revelation 21, verse 2, the Apostle John sees the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, but pr- prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. What is he describing? What's the bride? Who's the bride? It's us. He calls us the heavenly Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. What about the temple? Well, in 1 Corinthians 3, and verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Ephesians 2 Okay, keeping up. Ephesians 2, 19. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. And the whole building is fitted together in him and grows into a holy sanctuary or temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. I, I realize this is so familiar to us, but I really feel the Lord just wants us to catch something afresh today. Where is the new Jerusalem? Where is the bride where is Mount Zion? Where is the city of the living God? Where is the temple? Where is the house? All these things are fulfilled in the church. He lives in us. The, the psalmist says, I I because of the house of the Lord I will seek you good. Where is that? Where is the house of the Lord? It's here amongst us. It is us, folks. So this psalm describes festivals that took place under an old covenant in a man-made temple in an earthly Jerusalem 3,000 years ago, and it's wonderful. But it's much, 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 much more than that. It's a picture of what God wants to do in his house. It's a picture of the kind of house that will draw crowds. It's a picture of the kind of house that will speak to our world in a time of great shaking and instability where people are longing for identity. And let me just finish by saying this. This, this uh, I believe, is the kind of house, the kind of church that God would have amongst us here. Let me take points from this psalm. First of all, people that are thrilled to be together. People that gather together where no one feels a stranger, no one feels a foreigner. A place that's home, a, a family, brothers and friends, A gathering together like we really make a difference. People compacted together, knitted tightly, solidly joined, built as we should be, with no gaps or cracks, but together fighting for each other, standing side by side with Hanley and the children, and and standing together. There's no gaps or cracks between us. Giving thanks. I am... just to, just to give you a little heads up, when, when we meet together on the 15th of January for our mega meeting, all the people, all together, all in the same place, all at the same time, it's not much to ask, is it? Make plans now. Mark those diaries. Arrange sitters. Don't, that's not the weekend to go away, folks. 15th of January. Everybody here, please. Mega meeting. One of the things we will be explaining, announcing is new elders in the church, here in Stony, also in Market Harbour, in the coming year, in the coming few months. Um, that will be great yes. and, and, and is, is needed right now. We're, we're stretched. We, we need to expand the eldership. We're planning to do that. Kerry's uh, going to be with us later in early in the year to, to lay hands on some people. So we're thrilled about that. But let me just say, one of the... Um, it says, don't be hasty in the, in the laying on of hands. I don't think anybody could accuse us of that but one of the reasons that we take great care with these things is because of what it says in Psalm 133 how pleasant it is when brothers can live together because it's like God then commands a blessing and that blessing flows from the head down and to the extent that elders are are, are heads in the church there's there's a headship in an eldership, it matters so much that we can dwell together, we can can live together. Doesn't mean we put up with each other, we actually enjoy living together. It's not just about the elders, there are gifts and ministries also that we will be recognizing in the coming year, so we thank God for that. So more of that on the 15th. It's a place where people are thrilled to be together, where people are compacted and Tightly joined and committed and thankful. And here's another thing. It's a place where all the tribes are together. Yes. I believe God wants to add new tribes to us. Yes. Yes. Amen. Yeah. That's right. Tribes has become a bit of a trendy word, hasn't it? A bit of a hipster word, you know. Talking about the tribes, people's, what, what sort of bits of aspects of identity. But um, God wants to add tribes to us. He wants to add ethnic groups to us. He wants to add different nationalities to us. He wants to add people from different villages to us. One of the other things we'll talk about in the 15th is how we see the groups working, the new groups working, where the focus will be much more on the villages. So again, uh, be here for that on the 15th, and be reassured everything is going to be peaceful. Everybody's going to be happy. Chris is going to buy an ice cream for anybody who's upset. But nobody's going to be, so everything's fine. So we'll talk more about that on the 15th as well. Just to say while I'm, on, while I'm on this, the 15th is not going to be a big church meeting with lots of stuff. We're going to just share about three or four things that we believe will be really key for us in the year ahead, and I've just given you a couple of them already. Okay? So, um, more tribes. I'm really excited about that. God wants to add tribes to us.
0: Amen.
1: Different types, different ethnicities, different nationalities, different economic, social groups, different villages. Praise God. And then a city, a place, a house where all the hallmarks are righteousness, justice, peace, and prosperity. Living up to our name. Living rock. Alive, dynamic, full of resurrection life. Full of supernatural life. Stable, secure, fortress, going nowhere. Well, going everywhere, but you know what I mean. (laughs) And that's the kind of people that can share what we have within with those not yet within. People who are outward bound, giving, going like no tomorrow, giving like we won't run out. This is the Lord's burning passion for his house. In Psalm 69, it it says, zeal for your house has consumed me. And it's the psalm which, it's the phrase that the disciples use when they see Jesus in that temple later on making a whip because the temple has become what it was never intended to be. Just having a little mental thought as to whether to say this or not. I'm going to say it. I'm not sure Jesus was first the temple got destroyed. It was only ever a staging post. He always had something bigger in mind. He prophesied it. He predicted it. It just... This is is God's heart. All nations, Jew and Gentile, all together in a spiritual house because no earthly man-made building could ever contain him. This is the Lord's burning passion and, and I, I hope I can express this adequately. I believe the Lord wants to identify, put his mark on some young men and women this morning and some older men and women and the thing that will characterize you is zeal for his house which will really begin to consume you. That you will, as I was praying this morning, I I felt God take me to Isaiah 6, where the prophet sees something um, in the temple, and he sees the Lord high and lifted up. This is a time of great calamity in the nations. Uzziah's died after, I think, 60-odd years of a, of a stable reign, and suddenly everything looks like it might be shifting. And in that year, he sees the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne. His robe is filling the temple. And cherubim are there, seraphim rather, calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. His glory fills the whole earth. You just have to they have to make a movie about this one day, don't they? So we can at least help us visualize it. The foundations of the doorway shook at the sound of their voice, and the temple was filled with smoke. And then I said, woe is me, for I'm ruined, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me, and in his hand was a burning coal that he'd taken from the altar with tongs, and he touched my mouth with it. This is the grace of God and he he says now this has touched your lips, your wickedness is removed and your sin is atoned for and then I heard the voice of the Lord saying who should I send and who will go for us and I said here I am send me when I searched for God as a teenager and found him in my twenties I think God had really set me up Because in that moment, I also knew that I was willing to go where he sent me, make myself available. I believe the Lord wants to just have the opportunity to see some of us this morning saying, Lord, here we are. We're totally available. Lord, we want zeal for your house this house that made that city what it was, this house that you're building amongst your people all over the earth, this house that is characterized by righteousness, justice, peace, prosperity, this house that is so, so full of God within that she's able to give out, has all that she needs, this house where the tribes come together, where nationality and ethnicity makes no difference because together we're the people of God. This house, this house which is a city on a hill, this house which is, which is the light of the world, this house which is a lamp to all the nations, this house. Lord, that we're available. We want you to so grip us to put your hand upon us, and we're so, we want to be so gripped with a vision and a revelation of the city and the house that it will become my burning passion just as it's yours, just as it was David's. And I believe that if you will show yourself to the Lord this morning in that way, he will do something with you which will start over these next few weeks, which will mean you'll come back here in the new year and you won't be the same. Because his grip on your life will have become more and more defined, more real for you. And you'll simply say, Lord, wherever you send me, however you choose to use me, Lord, nothing... Nothing is going to mark my life out more than a burning desire, a zeal that consumes me for the house of our God. If you feel, you know, I I want to make myself available to God like that, count the cost. Maybe I should really say come back next week counted the cost but I'm going to do it now just count the cost now and say that is you're not having to in a sense put yourself somewhere other than agree with what's already happening inside you some of you young guys and girls and Mandy to say whatever else I do in life I want zeal but God's house to consume me, mark me out. You can never lose out. You can never lose out giving everything to the Lord. That's right. That's right. Why don't we just bow our heads and I'm just going to ask you if you believe today would be a good day to stand to your feet and say, Lord, grip my life send me wherever you choose use me however you want but i want to be remembered for something big enough to count
0: thanks for joining us today there's so much going on at living rock church and we'd love for you to be involved Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We meet every Sunday at 10.30am in Stony Stanton and 4pm in Tamworth and Market Harborough. Feel free to come and visit us. We'd love to meet you.